This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the Senior Editor of Education Next. Thank you for joining me today. We are very fortunate to have on the Education Exchange the Governor of the State of New Hampshire, Christopher Sununu. Thank you for joining us today, Governor. Well, thank you for having me down here. This is great to be uh, over at the Kennedy School of Government to talk education, to talk opportunity. I uh, can't thank you enough for, for giving me the chance to come down and, and speak with you a little bit. Well, thank you for, for coming. And, and I want to ask you about this new legislation that is under consideration in New Hampshire because it's really quite pathbreaking. Uh, uh, a, a program that will allow people to save money and put it into an education account and make use of it. Um, I know it's uh, still in the hopper and you're still working on the details, but tell me what what's the idea behind it? Sure. This? So, you know, a lot of what we try to focus on in New Hampshire, I've only been governor for about 15, 16 months, but one of the philosophies we're trying to ingrain uh, a little bit, whether you're talking about education or healthcare, or anything really, it's about opportunity, right? Equal opportunity. Uh, I don't believe the government should be here to guarantee much but opportunity, right? And then you let the individuals or the businesses, whatever it might be, to charge through those doors, but make sure you're opening them up to everybody. So what we're, we're looking at today, uh, before, uh, I think it's actually getting a hearing as we speak, our education savings accounts uh, in the state of New Hampshire. Uh, we've worked with both sides on this, trying to find a compromise. Uh, we've paired it back a little bit, and it's really focusing on um, the eligibility requirements. First off, would be those of 185% of the po federal poverty level so or this below. this is for low-income people, low-income low families. Yeah, uh, it's, families. it's again, yeah. they don't have the opportunity. Maybe their, their child is in a school and it's just not working. I'm, I'm the first governor in 25 years to come up through the public schools in New Hampshire. I believe in the public schools. They are the foundation of our education. Um, but sometimes now, they don't work for Did you go to everybody. a public school yourself? I did. I, North Salem Elementary School in, in Salem and Woodbury Junior High. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was, it was great. And uh, I went to high school down in Virginia, but again, to a, a public school, a magnet school. Uh, they still... Well, but it was uh, a school of choice, your magnet school. It was. was. Oh, it absolutely was. It was. It was part of the public school system, but you had to... Uh, you took a test to get in. It was for science and technology. Um, but no, but here you don't have to take a test. No, it's open to everybody. Yeah, yeah, this program no. is really open to, to everybody that meets the eligibility requirements, but it focuses on, on low income. There was a fear that if you do that, um, you, you don't want to overly damage in, in terms of the budget uh, any one school versus another, potentially. So what we did is we said, okay, we'll create a cap, right? We want to get this program running. See, we have a, a sense of where it will go and who will take advantage of it. But we also don't want to hurt the overall public system. So we said we'll cap the number of students that can come out of any individual district. Uh, we'll create a floor as well, so there's a minimum as, as well, so there's not just one student coming out for the smaller districts. Well, are you there enough private schools in New Hampshire so that there's a real choice out there for so those who participate in that's program. a great question. The, the quick answer is no, to be honest. There are some areas that have more than enough choices, some rural areas that just don't. Um, so we just know by definition, uh, you can use this for homeschooling, uh, but by definition, um, there just likely won't be a large uptake of this program in certain parts of the state. We have great public schools. I mean, we really do. So just because our schools are so have, have I think, such a high natural quality, um, this is really for those individuals where those the four walls of the, of the classroom just aren't working for them. And you know, I talk a lot about stories as governor. Stories, you sit down with individuals. Well, what's happening in, with you and your life and your child? And what's your pathway? Where did the system not work for you? When you take time to listen to those individual stories, you let the people then drive the policy changes that are needed, right? It's people driving real policy, not politicians. Um, and there's a huge value, huge power in that, if, if you will. So now, what if you are a special needs child? Can you participate in absolutely. this program, if, even if you're not within the income cap or is that income uh, uh, Yeah, so in, in New Hampshire, I mean, on average, let's say, this is a general number, but let's say $15,000 per student, 
right? About a third of which comes from the state, two-thirds of which comes from your local city or town. That's why our town budgets are so, are so big and there's so much uh, local control at the town level. Uh, we're only allowing you to use the state portion of the money, so let's say four or $5,000. The district or the school where the child might have uh, moved away from, that base school is still keeping two-thirds of the money for a well, child that isn't even there. They're going to have more money per pupil than they had before the program came into effect. That is exactly the case. Now, there's, a, there's also a reason behind that is because in the, in the case of a special needs child or, or some other uh, extracurricular programming that that public school might have, uh, the, the student that has chosen a, a private school or homeschooling can still partake in those base programs. So you want some funding to stay at that local level for, the, for those specialization um, services. But look, it, it, it's a program designed to be flexible. It's designed not to hurt anyone too much financially. And more, most importantly, it's designed to open up doors that right now aren't available to, to a few kids. So where um, does the opposition come? I mean, this sounds like a good idea. Where, Are we going to use the U word on the podcast? <laughs> look, it's the unions. It is. Um, it's Look, teachers in New Hampshire are terrific. Um, it is not a battle of the teachers. It's not a battle of the public schools. But union leadership doesn't want anything to change. How dare you try to change our system? Um, how dare you not try to change the system? In New Hampshire, we're very fortunate right now. We have the fastest growing economy, highest per capita income, lowest poverty rates. Things are going really well for us right now. As an engineer, if you, uh, I was an environmental engineer uh, out of MIT for, for many years. I did that for about 10 years. As an engineer... We don't one, mention the word MIT here at Harvard. You know, oh, sorry. That's, that's, uh, well, we named the bridge after you, at least. You've got the Harvard Bridge <laughs> over, over across the Charles. <laughs> but, you know, one thing I, I really do believe in, when times are good, that's when you challenge the system. See, if you wait, to, if you wait till the crisis hits to, to, to quote-unquote, fix the system or do something differently, then you're only reacting to the crisis. When times are good, that's when we need to challenge ourselves to do something a little different, add some more program, create some more opportunities, open some more doors. That's what this is all about, taking advantage of our, of our very um, uh, opportune point in time to challenge ourselves to try a system. We're not going o overboard with it. We're really kind of cracking the door, seeing how it works. Then we can take the data. We can look at the outcomes. We can look at what we got back and then hopefully tweak the system again to make it more efficient and, again, try to appreciate... Uh, where the opportunity is, where it isn't, who's taking advantage, who isn't. Maybe there's things we didn't plan in the system that we need to design But to. you are doing that with a preschool program too, right? Aren't you creating some new opportunities? Well, in kindergarten, yes. Yeah. So we were one of the last states. I, uh, it was funny. I, I, I believe fundamentally, if you want to plan for the long term, and that's what government, governments need to do, a much better job of planning 5, 10, 20 years down the road, you got to focus on kids, which is why I'm so passionate about education and opportunity for children. So I was the first governor to even propose uh, funding full-day kindergarten across New Hampshire. People said, don't, don't do that, Governor. It's, it's not for a Republican to even propose it. It's political suicide. I said, it's the right thing to do, and I'll get it done, and we did. And uh, I'm very, very proud that we were able to fund full kindergarten. But where did you find the money for all of that? This is this is a year. I did it without a, a fiscal constraint. So how did I do it without spending a taxpayer dollar? You might ask. So it wasn't my idea. I can't take credit for the idea, but it worked. Uh, a legislator came and came up with the idea of legalizing Keno. We fund a lot of our schools with the lottery system anyway uh, in, in New Hampshire, but we don't have Keno. So he said, if we legalize Keno, um, we looked at the estimate of the dollars that would come in. And they said that would be a way to fund it. And, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't cost the taxpayers anything. It would just be from the Keno revenue that the state generates. That's what we did, and the numbers in the first few months are through the roof. So um, we're, we're bringing in dollars to fund full-day kindergarten. Because, again, you had some Is communities... Is why you're the most popular governor <laughs> in the country? <laughs> no, I'm just because okay. I talk too much and too fast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I don't think this is why, but 
I don't think there's any individual reason why we, we've had a lot of success, and it's nice being popular. The only poll number that matters is, is the one on Election Day, I suppose. But you can't worry about politics and poll numbers and all that. At the end of the day, it's about outcomes, right? It's about outcomes for these kids, outcomes for, for the individuals. Traditionally, government, it's very easy to say, I'm putting more money into the system, I'm putting more money into what exists. But that is old school thinking. That is the government focusing on the institution, not the individual right? It's the taxpayer's money. Give it back to them. Let them decide how best to create their pathways. That's what 21st century school choice is all about. Not public versus private, as much as it is allow the programming, even within the public schools, to have flexibility, to give those parents choice, give those students choice. Get them excited about a program that wasn't available to them yesterday, but you know what? There's a, uh, The first robotics program maybe is now going to come to our school. My son might be really interested in that. And now he looks forward at the end of the day to going to the robotics team or whatever it might be. It could be a, a variety of different options. But those choices within the public school system, as well as things like ESAs, as well as things like full day kindergarten, um, you mix all of this stuff together. I believe that's the pathway to a successful right, 21st now, century gonna, education. Are you actually going to get this through the legislature? Oh, that's it'll be what, close. That's what the, uh, yeah. the, the the listeners to our podcast want to know. Are, uh, is this going to actually It's going to be tight. Yeah, it's going to be tight. So we're going to have a committee vote. Uh, is it either today? It could be get bumped to next week. We're not quite sure. Um, if it comes out of committee, it'll likely come out of with no decision, hopefully, uh, frankly. Then it gets back to the House floor, where it was already approved, but with some changes, but we got to get it approved again. Now, i got to say, the other side, the unions have put so much money in, in a, a kind of a false narrative against this, it's going to be hard. And so we got to make sure we haven't lost any votes in that process. we got to make sure that with a 400-representative uh, volunteer legislature, uh, believe it or not, you got to make sure they actually come, you know, get all the votes are actually showing up on the day of the vote. So these are kind of the funky dynamics that will come into play, whether uh, New Hampshire takes this, this big step forward or not. Hey, look, even if it doesn't pass, I think it will, but even if it doesn't, um, you, you don't you don't hang your head in the sand. You don't kick up dirt and say, well, I guess you know nothing's going to happen. We've already made phenomenal, fundamental changes into our system. You go after it again. You tweak the system again. You work in a constructive way with both sides to find a viable solution. I think we're going to get there. I really do. Uh, the next coming weeks will be very, very telling, very exciting up in uh, in the New Hampshire State Well, House. we will be watching and we will be listening. Thank you very much, Governor. Thank I've you, been Professor. speaking with... Uh, Christopher Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange today. The Education Exchange is available every Monday at noon on the Education Next website.